What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horn, and this is This Is Pro Wrestling. And I just wanted to take one minute, if you got a second, just to tell you thank you to everybody who supported us and who listened to that Tom Latimer interview. Um, everybody who shared it out and gave your feedback, told us how great it was, that whole thing. I mean, that meant a lot. Tom and I were obviously anxious to get that interview done and to get it out there, and you guys were so supportive, and it's just been awesome feedback. Just uh, love you guys. Thank you for doing that. Thank you to everybody who shared it. Really appreciate that as well. Also want to take a second to thank our sponsors. They are Nick Aldis's supplement brand Legacy Sups. Dot com. you got to check them out. Nick Aldis is putting out some of the best supplements on the market today. I am using Recovery PM every single night. It makes me sleep like a baby. Also, loving the X-Lean, starting the uh, Test X9 program. Those supplements are helping me on my fitness journey, and I think they can help you on yours. So check them out. It's LegacySupps.com, and if you use the code NWAFAM, you get 10% off your entire order. So go ahead and get that full stack. And uh, if you're like me and the pandemic's wrecked your body, get back on track with LegacySubs.com. Also want to give a shout out to our boys over at Manscaped. Manscaped is delivering high quality tools for your family jewels with uh, the code NWAPOD. You get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Get yourself one of those Lawnmower 3.0s. The pandemic let other things get wild. Well, now's the time to take care of them. No nicks and cuts with the Lawnmower 3.0. You can take care of all your private sensitive areas with manscaped.com, code NWAPOD. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Collar and Elbow Brand. Uh, if you guys haven't seen them, you know, uh, Al Snow's clothing line over there. It's a wrestling supporting brand, uh, charitable, good people over at Collar and Elbow Brand. You want to check them out and they've made it so that you can get 10% off your entire order if you use the code gravy like enjoy your gravy cake so check them out collarandelbowbrand.com code gravy supporting our sponsors help support this show you know we try to do interviews and get your shows out we're doing it for free i mean just because we love it but also you know it helps give something back if you wanted to get some cool stuff anyway if you just drop our codes there it makes you look good it makes us look good it makes them look good everybody wins so check them out legacysups.com that's code nwa fem manscape.com nwa pod and collar and elbow brand code gravy one final housekeeping note just want to say if you haven't already and you're listening to this podcast if you take a second tell your friends tell your family share us out with the world let them know if they like good quality wrestling content we're here to help also just follow us on social media at tipw show that would uh, mean the world to us um if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't subscribed on youtube you can get all these interviews and everything in a video format all over at youtube.com slash this is pro wrestling we're trying to cross the threshold over there to 1,000 subscribers. It would be amazing if you guys helped make that happen. Also, if you're watching this right now on YouTube, uh, subscribe on the podcast. Five-star reviews on iTunes also helps us out. Or on Apple Podcasts, I think is what they call it now. Anyway, all of that out of the way. Um, on Twitter right now, if you go to the pinned tweet at the top of our Twitter, you can uh, click on a link there to take you to our Discord. If you'd like talking wrestling, any brand, whatever brand, we have a channel for each one in our Discord community. The This Is Pro Wrestling community is a positive, enthusiastic wrestling fan-based community. We just talk about all kinds of wrestling, indies all the way up to the WWE. So anything you're interested in, we got it over there. That's uh, on Twitter, pinned tweet up at the top. 
Okay, enough of all the housekeeping. Today's guest is Matthew Mims. If you've been watching NWA Power uh, this season, well, actually, from the beginning, he was in the very first match. So uh, on NWA Power, you've seen Matthew Mims grow up from a little bitty baby rookie all the way up into the big strong boy he is today. Matthew Mims has, uh, we've seen him grow right in front of our eyes. The man is on his way up. He is winning some matches here lately. If you watched this past week uh, on NWA Power, he took on Matt Cross in a TV title qualifying match. We actually, he mentions that being excited about it. Just FYI, we recorded this before that match. So he's talking about it being exciting for one match. Uh, it's that match. But anyway, Mims is a star in the making and you're in the ground floor right now. Uh, if you want to watch him turn into the superstar, we know he's going to be really excited to talk to him and learn a little bit more about him and get him out in front of more people. So uh, if you like it, Tell everybody, share it with your friends, tell Mims over on all of his social media. He is over and most active on Instagram at really underscore Mims. That's M-I-M-S. So check him out. Matthew Mims, great dude, and the big strong boy. So no more talking for me. Here you go. Here's Mimsy. To go up that second level. So so after getting done training with Steve, like you go, you go from crazy Steve or whatnot. Who do you who do you go to next? You go to Bram, you go to Tom Latterman now. Uh, and so having that like hour, two hour conversation, it really got us to kind of like meet eye to eye and me to learn more about the guy, uh, just because I had no idea about him. I'd only seen him on the shows. I'd only seen him like, you know, in TNA and what he was doing there. So my mind, it's the, it's the crazy psychopath, Bram, and then just meeting the guy for real and talking to him. one very well-educated man, uh, which is something I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of his background. So uh, getting to see him as a trainer, like the guy cares a lot, a lot more than a lot of people may think, especially if they saw him during like, you know, those darker times that he definitely will not shy away from talking about and let you know exactly his side of things and kind of tell you where he was at mentally and also tell you how far he's come and he's come a very long way. So, so kind of seeing that and seeing how much he's changed and just how much is really going on up there. There's definitely a lot. Uh, and I've seen nothing but good things from him. It's, 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 it's crazy to see how big of a stride he's made. And I didn't know the guy back then, just knowing who he is now and just hearing how he talks about himself back then. Yeah. No, that's, that's the same way I felt too, man. I was like, I, um, the first time I met him was at Crockett cup 2019. I was telling him this, that, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't watch TNA, um, either. So, uh, I wasn't real familiar with him, but, uh, he was such a cool guy. And then, you know, you, you'd see like online or something, somebody would say something, nasty or something you know just like and, and we talked a little bit about that but anyway i was like who is this guy like what's his you know and you see like he's he's had like different issues in the past that he's dealt with and that sort of thing and i'm not trying to dive all into that but i'm just saying like the guy that i met the guy that i know like now is just you can tell there's i i didn't i like you said i didn't know him then but the man is like one of the coolest people and it's been so good to just to me in general he was good to my wife too like i was talking about yeah. him and uh camille slash Kaylee like but that that show they were like so cool with my wife who she doesn't care that much about pro wrestling or you know that not, not a ton like she likes it but you know she's not a super fan but she fell in love with those two like everything that they do she wants to know every time power's on like when when are Tom and Camille gonna be on there and you know all of that stuff and I'm like well Tom's you know like I was I'd be like booing Tom she's like you better not boo Tom 
You don't boot up. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm supposed to boot up, but uh see, there's 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 like uh there's a lot of things that come to mind uh when it comes to Tom and and, and Kaylee. Uh just because they're really genuine people. Uh, a, a, a lot of things with, with them, you may have a certain like idea after seeing their characters because they have very strong personalities in those characters. And so when you see him in real life, you kind of don't expect it. And these are two of the sweetest people I've ever met. Having him as a trainer has been a fantastic experience. And it made me fall in love with pro wrestling all over again, which I was already in love with pro wrestling. I was already dedicated and passionate when it came to pro wrestling. But having somebody that really, really felt like they cared so much about my progress and took a huge interest in me. I mean, you know, it, it goes to say, obviously, with, with Crimson, with uh, Jeremiah Plunkett, with Crazy Steve, uh, with all those guys, all those guys coming in together on my training and pushing me forward. Obviously, I wouldn't be here without them, but it's even more special to see like the time that Tom has taken to train me uh, and the others to to get to this point. Uh, to get to the point where we have this great working relationship with the NWA, and then also that I can even be, you know, grazing television screens in 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 the first place. Uh, there's 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 plenty of reasons why maybe you know, somebody with, I, I guess, try to like, try to put it in the nicest way possible. The small amount of experience that I do have to be able to be at the level that I'm at, to have that kind of trust in me is from somebody's training like Tom's. Like you, you, you kind of can't get this training anywhere else. This is, this is something that's, you know, like I want to I want to say it's just me and say it's just like oh I've got this great talent I'm so confident I'm just the greatest wrestler of all time to get here after such a short time of being in the business no that that's something I gotta get him I gotta give to Tom and then knowing that he has a better half that's as strong as like Kaylee to to kind of push him up to to still keep striving like that the the guy is just just the bee's knees he's just the best both uh, it's funny like oh i hit record by the way so uh all this uh gushing you're doing it's on there i uh because <laughs> because i think you're supposed to say like tom goes in and he like tries to break your back or something and then you're you know he's he's vicious and he's mean but uh no he, he uh it, the i've always been curious like what that's like at tried and true even and he he talked by the way i should say before i go here uh he he did you'll have to check out the interview with him because he he does mention you briefly too in there we we talk about yeah. like that you know he's he's kind of you can tell he's proud that he's just like see like oh man yeah. like, Bibbs is there and he's like and how much <laughs> he talks a little bit about how cool it is probably even for the people in your class to see you on there and like you know just mm -hmm. to, like you could see that there's there's a place to go and room to grow and definitely have like a, a story in my mind already about uh my very first match with the nwa uh that was my first tv match first opportunity uh to do anything on a higher stage and you were you know, in there with him weren't you exactly that's okay. that's what we get with that one uh so the just i guess to talk about like a little bit more of like how i kind of came into being a part of what we're doing with the nwa uh not to go on forever about it but that's what so, we're here for man this is about you <laughs> oh yeah so people can definitely learn more about the relationship between you know tried and true pro and then how we kind of got involved with uh with the indian the nwa and got here so we're based out of Clarksville, tennessee not the biggest city in the world we're probably like the fifth largest city in tennessee um and so even whenever anybody asks like hey where are you at man you, you're in nashville you're close to nashville yeah i'm some city 45 minutes outside of Nashville. That's what I usually tell people when they don't know. So um, with that, you know, they had the the whole 10 pounds of gold series start. And, you know, fast forward a little bit more and you get into, uh, 
they had because um, I'm obviously fuzzy here. Like years been flying by. They have NWA seventy. So NWA seventy, they they come to Crimson, and obviously I'm still outside of this conversation. I'm I'm barely knowing what's going on here, what they have in the works. But they come to Crimson, and I guess Billy wanted to have a reliable crew somebody he knew well enough and i guess they kind of met and chopped everything up whenever billy was uh dealing with impact for the short time that he was and so you know crimson's obviously a stand-up guy and this is somebody you can rely on this is a man who has some of the best connections in the business uh again another big reason why i'm even here talking to you right now so they chop things up and get something together to where they recruit us our ring crew and they also you know kind of borrow our ring and they go to the asylum down in nashville something very 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 famous a uh, big spot, I think. Uh, well, then they started TNA out of there. Jeff Jarrett did, if I remember correctly, at the fairgrounds. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, or Global yeah, Force so, Wrestling or something. Yeah, exactly. So uh, from there, we we had the setup for NWA seventy. I'm just working security. I'm I'm just a guy in the crowd. There might be some video somewhere where you can see. I, I think there's a segment where there's some fighting out in the crowd. We might be there. You might see me getting punched off to the side or something like that. And then, uh, you know. I really enjoyed that moment seeing Crimson and Jax go out there with Animal and and have the match. I think it was with Crazy Steve and Shannon Moore. It was it was crazy to kind of see that because I think that was probably like outside of shows that I've been a part of with you know TNT. I hadn't seen Crimson and Jax really like do anything on a major stage in person yet. So seeing that live for the first time and not having to worry about what match I had going on or anything else, and then kind of seeing how Billy lit up whenever he was watching that. You know, getting to be there for, you know, the signings, meeting Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, talking to more of the guys around there, seeing how happy people were to see NWA coming back together at NWA 70 like that, that struck a big chord with me. You know, that's that's a love in professional wrestling that you kind of don't really see anymore and to see that mm-hmm. spark in everybody's eyes who was just a part of this from, you know the guys who are at the top of the card with Nick and Cody and, and the stuff they had to worry about with their main event and really pulling that off. And then going down to even just my level, somebody who's putting the ring together and working security and to see that every single person from the top to the bottom is so passionate about this project and making sure this gets off the ground. And again, probably the only people that actually knew where they were going with this was probably just Billy himself and nobody else knew, but they were passionate about this project, even if it was just a one-off deal. So we go from there. Uh, I guess we kind of did a pretty good job. And when it came to uh, our working relationship with NWA, we progressed a little bit further. We had the NWA pop-up event. If I remember correctly, I think that was January 2019. Don't always have my dates the, the, the most correct, so I'll stop at January 2019. <laughs> um, we had the NWA pop-up event. That is a tried and true pro event. We, we, we pretty much had that at the Wilma Rudolph Event Center here in Clarksville, Tennessee. And working very, very closely with Billy. And so there's actually some photos I have sitting around somewhere of me sitting in one of my chairs ringside. This is one of the first times I actually got to sit ringside during security. And I'm actually sitting right next to Billy. And I was, I I was going to say, I, did, I didn't want to cut you off, but I, I was going to ask you about that because I, I was trolling your Instagram earlier, uh, just like looking for pictures. But I saw the pictures of you sitting next to him and you were trying to, you talked about like trying to be all serious, but then there's another one of you like laughing <laughs> at something off to the side, but. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of nerve wracking because it's like uh, I didn't know I would ever have an opportunity to do anything with the NWA. We didn't. There was no talks of power or anything else like that. So it's kind of just, you know, knowing that this is probably gonna be the first time the camera's actually on me. And maybe somebody might inquire about like, who, who's this guy? Who's this guy sitting next to Billy? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm still not thinking I'm somebody in the spotlight, but I'm sitting next to the guy in the spotlight. 
somebody that's done what Billy's done and, and, you know, left his mark on not only, you know, the music industry, but also like on the pro wrestling industry, even at that point, he still left a significant mark that people remember that he's had a part in any of this. So this, this is his baby. He's, he's sitting out there with a completely different mindset than I have. I have no idea what's going on through his head or the amount of pressure that he's feeling. And I'm sitting right next to him and I'm having to just think, Oh yeah, I just, I uh, hope I'm not getting in his way. Uh, yep. <laughs> I, hope I, don't, uh, I hope I don't do anything. I hope I smell okay. And this guy doesn't smell me and think I stink. And he's like, oh, hey, Crimson, who's this uh, stinky bozo you have on your team? Please never let him around me ever again. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to focus on just watching the match and, you know, still making for sure that I'm, I'm keeping my eye open for any other cues or whatnot. I don't want to miss anything. And just, uh, you know, it, it didn't make me too nervous after a while, but he, he just said a few words to me and it still resonated with me. I didn't know that, you know, obviously we'd be here. Uh, a lot of, a lot of that stuff, seeing that show kind of resonated with me, with me even more because I felt like, you know, obviously I can be there. You know, this is something that I guess that night I felt like an action, I actually had an opportunity to be there. Obviously there wasn't one in play, but in my mind, I had the idea like, why am I sitting here? Why, why am I just sitting, sitting next to Billy? Why are we not having a conversation about my future? Why am I not in that ring performing for him trying to get a job? Why am I not showing the skills I do have? Now, obviously the skills weren't as great as I may have now and what I'm going to have in the future, but still I was thinking, and this was the first time, you know, since being trained as a wrestler and being able to be to be called a professional wrestler that I ever sat somewhere live and really felt like I, I don't belong watching this match. I belong in this match. I belong, you know, in some sort of talk for a national title or, you know, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. I belong here. I should be on my way towards working for that. And I'm sitting here not doing that i'm just watching this match and, and working a small security role you know and it, it it never frustrated me until then you know obviously i i you know, filled some seeds you know come to a couple wwe shows a couple roh shows just to just to watch just to hang back and you know see everything and i never thought of myself as you know somebody on their level or somebody that could also compete there somebody that belonged there you know but nwa was the first time sitting there live and watching the show and thinking that. And so that kind of started for me where I was like, hey, what do I do to become a part of this? And so we, we fast forward a little bit to probably one of the last like TNT shows we ran. And this was probably around, um, I'm thinking probably the end of 2019. And so surprisingly enough, I didn't expect for uh, Dave Lagana to be there. So Dave Lagana was backstage. Uh, I don't know if I'm telling something that shouldn't be told or whatnot, but I guess this is kind of old news. This is right before the tapings we have for power. Mm -hmm. So uh, all I'm in is just me and my tag partner, uh, Miguel. We're, we're going into this battle royal. We're having like some reverse like battle royal. I guess they kind of want to do something like they did it all in. Or if I start on the outside and we're getting in. And so uh, I love the concept because it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of other guys or trainees and some of the local guys around the Tennessee area or whatnot. And it was it was just a ton of fun coming out there and doing that. And that's my first time getting to work on like a tried and true pro show, one of the big ones, not a student showcase. So we go out there, we have our match, I uh, come back and I talk to Tom. This is where we get into the Tom portion of this whole, here's how we get to the NWA. Uh, so I talked to Tom and he's like, hey, hey brother, I've gotta, I gotta see you after the match, man. He's like, I, 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 gotta, I, gotta, I gotta see you after I have my match. Make for sure I come and talk to you. And I'm like, 
okay, did I, did I screw something up? Like, I did everything he told me to do. Uh, he aged it a little bit, like, of, of that battle royal. I was like, oh, we did everything right. I hope I didn't mess anything up whenever we uh, we did one of those moves. <laughs> I was like, I definitely fell out of the ring a little bit harder than I expected, but I, I, I hope I'm not getting in trouble right now. Uh, and Tom's <laughs> definitely not the type of person to yell, like, outside of his character. So I'm like, oh, oh man, I'm in so much trouble. Oh, he's he's going to tell me something and either, like, animal said or like colonel parker said or something like that i'm like oh man i'm so screwed so <laughs> i end up not being able to talk to him that night and then we end up talking the next day that we we're at training so he asked me something he pulls me off to the side he's like hey so i've got this project brother uh you know i want you and miguel to be there for it he's like you're gonna be doing something possibly with the nwa and i was like oh, no. okay yep yep no totally serious <laughs> I love that you go in on the accent too. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, his accent is—it's fantastic. It's part of the—it's part of his charm and whatnot. It makes him very warm. He's—he's he's very warm. He has a very warm British accent. You can't help but to fall in love with it. Right. And so, <laughs> and I like—I—I I catch myself doing it from time to time when I'm talking about Tom. But uh, he tells us about what he wants, and he's just like, "Hey, I have an opportunity for you." I talked to Lagana about it because Lagana said, "Hey, I want to, I want to bring in two guys. Like, do you know anybody?" And he's like, "Yeah, Mims and Miguel. Those are the guys I want to bring in." And so, you know, I'm excited for it. He's like, "Ah, it's like a month or so out. Just be ready for it. We have no idea what's going on. There's no name to it. Nothing else like that." He he just basically said, "Hey, be ready for a possible opportunity. I put your names in there." And that's 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 one of the big things about Tom is he's always first to put like his his best of us students on the first possible opportunity. He really, really trusts in us. And I, I appreciate that because it's hard to find people that will trust in somebody who hasn't been, you know, proven already. You know, you got to have experience to get experience, that type of deal. So we end up going down to Atlanta once I finally find out more information from Crimson about the whole idea. And then when we get down there. So the ring, do all that fancy stuff. I'm taking it all in, being there. It's my first time I've ever been in Atlanta. I've never been there before. I'm not much of a traveler. And then Tom comes and tells me uh, the day of recording, because I'm like, okay, well, yeah, 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 I don't know what I'm really doing here. He told me to bring my gear. I, I still haven't heard anything more about it. We haven't talked about it in over a month. And he's like, yeah, so, uh, hey, Mimsy, uh, did, you, did, you, did you look at the sheet for uh, the, the, the production list? And I was like, no, I haven't yet. They, well, they're going to give it to me. I'm, I'm not important. I'm in here in a black shirt and some pants. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> look at the first match. And I go look at the very first match on the very first episode of NWA Power. And there it is. It is, it is the tag team champions, the wild cards, uh, Royce Isaacs and Tom Latimer versus uh, Mims. They totally misspelled the name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just TBA. Unfortunately, Miguel couldn't make the match, but you know, I'm I'm sitting here kind of freaking out because all I saw was the men's part, and I was like, not even worried about the fact they misspelled my name. I was just like, me, me. You <laughs> are you are you serious right now? <laughs> I, I wasn't ready for all that. I was thinking it was gonna be like some sort of dark match or something, like you know. Still have never been on a TV show a day in my life. Haven't been in front of like too many recordings. Had a couple matches recorded, but nothing that serious. And I was like, oh, so the very first episode, the one that everybody's looking at to say like, oh, is this show garbage or not? Like, and I have that pressure to be not only on the first show, but in the first match. So like, I'm obviously shaking in my boots. Um, psych, just kidding. Surprisingly enough, 
the entire time that I've been in pro wrestling, like for at that point, it had only been two years that I was in the business, probably like maybe a few months after exactly hitting the two year point that started in like, I think I had my debut match in July, 2018, you know, weirdly enough, I, I don't know why having less than at that point, I think about probably had really burying myself here right now. Probably shouldn't even reveal this. Probably had less than 20 matches at that point. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I was completely unbothered, not nervous about a single thing. Huh. And I think where that comes from is knowing that, you know, I've never, I've never been in the ring with, you know, Bram, the character, you know, Tom, when he's turned up to 11, I've always been around, you know, super nice coach, Tom Latimer, the one who never raises his voice, never gets angry, but wants the best out of us or whatnot, doesn't settle for less, but I've never, I've never really seen that to be intimidated by it. So getting in the ring with him and Royce, I'd seen Royce a couple of times, wasn't nervous about a thing. They, they told us, hey, you got four minutes, go out there, do your thing. And I'm thinking to myself, there must be something wrong with me because this is the first time in my whole wrestling career I wasn't even sweating it. I wasn't worried. I wasn't nervous. I, I didn't have a care in the world. I was like, no, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. It's not a big deal. And it's totally the biggest deal of my entire career at this point. And I'm just <laughs> thinking it's like, oh, no, this is just small potatoes. It's fun. And so um, it was it was strange to be in there, you know, see the whole crowd and everybody lighting up for it and not really knowing what to think, not really knowing too much of what to do. Uh, cause we'd been given a pretty little bit of pretty, pretty small amount of, you know, direction. And, and what I was doing was it was, it was a talent enhancement match. It was to make those, those tag team champions look even better than they already do really establish them, even though, Hey, I'm just throwaway guy. So, you know, I, I definitely didn't want to worry, but I was surprised that I wasn't and getting in there. Like, honestly, the match flew by getting back out there and having Tom thank me for it. And then kind of just having Gilly, like having Billy and Dave just kind of give me a look and, you know, give me that kind of approving look. And I was like, they don't even, I'm pretty sure they don't even know my name. <laughs> they don't even know that I exist besides like, Hey, you guys shine up our tag team champions. Go ahead. Good job. Get out of here. And so it was, it was a big surprise to go and do that and have everything go off without a hitch. And, you know, it worked so smoothly. Uh, and I guess, because I'm already rambling on, I could probably go into the fact that I was surprised that, you know, not only there did I have a match, they gave me more opportunities, which I wasn't expecting. You know, I didn't right. think, I, I didn't really have a second thought about the, the first match we had on the first episode. Uh, I didn't really like get the scope of how important it was, you know, outside of, you know, my own worldview until I started seeing, you know, people talk about the show. Even The Rock watched the show. So somebody I've been watching since I was a kid and knowing that he watched the show and for at least the very least, the Rock had seen my match, had seen me go out there and get Molly whopped by my trainer and his, his tag partner. Uh, so even if nobody knew who I was, at least like they had all seen my match, like over a million people had seen this episode and like, you know, were ranting and raving about how great it was. And I was like, yeah, at least I got to go out there and get beat up. That's all that matters. <laughs> and I was doing it with my coach. I was doing it with, you know, somebody I'd gotten very close with and somebody had taken a very vested interest in me and getting to go out there and share that moment on that very first show and then knowing how important that was not only to me and then also not only to him but to you know the rest of the wrestling world to, to billy to dave to everybody else involved in nwa to know how much that first episode meant and that first match going off without a hitch meant was uh it was it's something that took me over the moon it's something i'm still proud of to this day no matter what i do afterwards is that i was still there on the first episode first match and that's extremely important to me 
Oh, it should be, man. That's, that's amazing. And, and yeah, I mean, and you stood out on that day and you're, and you're constantly like, you're, you're still working and elevating yourself, but go, go back for just a second. Cause I'm curious, like, you know, you didn't start out, I, I guess, thinking you wanted to be a pro wrestler. It doesn't sound like, so, I mean, were you like a fan at first before you, well, I, I don't, I don't want to get that confused. This is the thing when it comes to pro wrestling, especially like, uh, you know, for me growing up. So <laughs> funny story. I started watching wrestling when I was probably about like um, seven or eight years old. I was sneaking around to watch it. So uh, I think probably the first match I ever saw just like flipping channels uh, was a Bret Hart match in WWE. And it was, uh, I think it was him versus uh, Mr. Perfect. And that was the first match that kind of got me hooked. And I was like, who's this, who's this guy? Like, I got to see more of what's going on here. And I start watching it. The first thing my mom does is turn off the TV. You don't need to watch that. This is just violent. There's sex and all this other stuff going on with this. You don't need to see anything that's going on here. So from that point on, I think I had gotten in trouble so many times over the years. Uh, I was to the point where I figured out, like, I could actually sneak around and get away with it. I got in trouble so many times just sneaking to watch wrestling because I was a big WWF fan, but I could never watch it. I could hear this, like the kids at school talking about it and everybody else like having a long conversation. Oh yeah, did you did you see what Razor Ramon did? Did you see what Scott Hall did? Like there was this whole war going on with WCW, blah, blah, blah. And I know nothing about it. So <laughs> like it, it was uh it, it was funny going from that and then getting into pro wrestling. Like finally, once I started consistently watching, kind of getting my whole system down of how to sneak around and get away with it. Yeah, um, I started watching probably around like the end of 99, 2000. That was where I was consistent. I watched uh, for years. I watched anything I possibly could when it came to the WWF. I was watching, like, you know, the A shows, the B shows, the C shows, whatever shows with the WWF that they had going on to the through, through like the 2000s. I was watching as close as I possibly could. I was super involved with it. And I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I want to I want to be like Triple H. I want to be like The Undertaker. I want to be like The Rock, you know. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be the guy that was holding up the championship belt and making this long, like extremely like over the top entrance to the ring. And I wanted to be that guy. And so, you know, growing up, I got into sports and I, I kind of got too heavily involved in sports. I was doing football, track, wrestling, anything else I could get my hands on to like, you know, kind of keep my time busy up. Um, and, you know, I started to get away from wrestling a little bit. You know, I was keeping up as much as I possibly could because I was still an avid fan. But, you know, it was something that kind of started to wane. For a lot of people growing up, that's kind of how it works. Now, uh, I didn't lose any love for it. It wasn't anything that made me drive away from it, you know, specifically like, oh, yeah, I just hated this going on. Or, this guy had the belt. You know, people have tons of stories about how they're salty about it. You know, but I still wanted to, you know, be that or at least experience that. Surprisingly, what actually got me into pro wrestling outside of just being a fan or at least, you know, I, I guess I could start with what, what brought me into being a fan again like really being dedicated to it after a couple of years of kind of just focusing too much on high school wrestling, you know, football, going into semi-pro football, what I was doing with powerlifting. Uh, it was actually my best friend. So I, I had got closer to him through high school wrestling. He's also my tag team partner. Uh, uh, Miggs is, is his ring name. Uh, so Miguel got me back into wrestling just because he was an avid fan at that point. And he kind of bloomed late when it came to it. So it was a little bit surprising for him uh, to be so dedicated to it, kind of like how I was when I was younger. 
So he got me back into it by taking me to Hooters like every couple of months or whatnot to see the big four pay-per-views. And I was like, okay, well, I'll see what's going on with this. I remember some of these guys. These are these are some new guys. I guess I can get into this. And, you know, we're watching those. I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty interesting. Let me, let me get back into it. Let me start watching the weekly product. And so he actually takes me out to my very first show. My very first live show, really enough, it was also at the Asylum. Uh, I think it was 2012, maybe. I'm probably getting my years wrong here. But it was actually uh, a, a taping for ROH that ended up having AJ Styles return to wrestling. I think like he had broken his back or something like that. And he had a match against Roderick Strong. And so I absolutely love the match. I love everything that I saw that night at ROH. Uh, like I had saw a lot. Of, I saw a lot of their big stars at that point in time. And I was like, this is this is incredible. Like, I didn't know there was anything else at this point. Like, I'm so late to the game at this point. I'm like almost 19, 20 years old. I'm late to the game. I thought like literally WWF, WCW, ECW, that was it. I didn't know there was any other wrestling going on at this point. Like I had, you know, flipped channels and saw a little bit of TNA, but I had no idea what was going on there. And then I see a whole ROH show. And I'm not even understanding how the taping schedule is going. I'm like, this is incredible. Are they going to keep coming out? Or like, are they wrestling like a three or four or five hour match? Like what's going on here? And so I really started to fall for it. I ended up going to a Raw show, like around the time, like CM Punk was still doing the 434 day reign. And like, I'm getting even more into it. Miguel, had re he'd revealed to me what his whole path to wrestling was going to be. He, he had this idea in his head and he didn't really tell a lot of people because obviously you're going to get a lot of blowback for it. His idea was, I think he had, he went to a book signing that Chris Jericho did way back in the day. And uh, he had talked to Chris and Chris was like, hey, you want to be a wrestler, man? Save up your money, go to Canada, you go to Lance Storm's Wrestling Cat. That's the place to go. Don't go to any other school but this one. And this is, this is why he's in middle school. We're both, we're both sitting in the same school. And so he doesn't tell a lot of people that. He finally tells me this around that time. He's taking me all this wrestling stuff, really introducing me to everything outside of the WWF. The way you I just didn't... told that story, it sounded like Chris Jericho was like selling him drugs. Like, like he was, <laughs> hey man. <laughs> I mean, wrestling is totally a drug. I, I tell you, you try to get yeah. into some wrestling. <laughs> it's, it's, you take your first bump and you just don't stop. The first one's um, So. He tells me that's what he's going to do. He's like, hey, man, we're going to finish college. We're going to go and I I'm going to do this. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, eh, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. This is really expensive. This sounds like a lot of work, like 10 grand to go all the way up there. And like nobody ever talks about this. I was like, I didn't even know you get trained to be a pro wrestler. I have no idea how any of this works. Nobody talks about this. Not until now in the modern era where kayfabe is just completely gone. Do people talk about, hey, you got to do this, this, and this to get trained to do this and do that. And so right. I had no idea. I was still a fan at this point. And, you know, he's telling me this is what you got to do to be a pro wrestler. And funny enough, he had, he, had a, he had a breakup going with some girl and he calls me and I'm like, you know what? It's, it's like 2013. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Like I stopped doing the semi-pro football thing. I'm still powerlifting, but I'm not like, you know, really I'm doing it more as a hobby now just to stay in shape. I was like, I have no direction. Like, I think I had had, um, I got invited by one of the semi-pro coaches that I was under to go possibly do like a trial for the Titans. And I think I had separated my groin or something. And so like, I was, I was bedridden for like a month. I couldn't even walk. And so, like, I had no motivation to do anything. Like, pretty much I just, oh, I'm just going to work regular jobs and just be some big schmo. Getting getting told every time I was going to work in the Samsung store <laughs> in my little light blue shirt, bro, you're too big to be selling phones, man. Like, what are you doing here? 
Like there's <laughs> there's no reason for you to be to be this big in a, in a Samsung store. Like we thinking you're you're eating the phones. What are you doing here? And so I tell them like you know we're having this conversation on the phones. Like you know what? I don't have anything better to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a second job. I'm gonna grind it out. And I'm gonna go with you. We're gonna go up to Canada and bring it trained by Lance because Lance is obviously a big deal. And at that point in time, whenever I looked on the internet, like that was the top training school anywhere. So like screw it, I'm gonna go. That was supposed to be how it was gonna go. It didn't go that way. So <laughs> he kind of he kind of backed out like at the last minute when we were supposed to be signing up for courses, and that kind of didn't didn't go that way. I got a little bit upset, and I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm just gonna sit around here. And, Ugh, just just bs and i kind of decided like eh, whatever wrestling is nothing so eventually i i give him the kick in the ass that he needs and he ends up going he goes spends his 10 grand spends three months up there comes back in the best shape of his life and gets ready to get started with this whole pro wrestling thing and i follow him around we're going around tennessee to different places he can get like a shot at and I'm watching him wrestle and like he's out here wrestling circles around people and the guy's like at this point obviously i don't know it because i'm not trained he's green shit <laughs> like he's super duper green and like he's he's getting treated like he's a big deal and i'm 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 none the wiser and i'm really thinking okay dude i can totally do this miguel was one of my training partners in amateur wrestling like i could totally do pro wrestling like he's not doing anything i can't do like what, what, what's going on here and so i give myself the kick in the butt and i'm like okay i'm start saving up again well the whole idea of looking for schools is kind of hard when you're just kind of when it comes to pro wrestling you're in the middle of nowhere Parcel is kind of the middle of nowhere. You know, out of nowhere, I end up seeing Try and True Pro. I'm a fan. I come to the first couple shows. A family friend of mine is like, hey, man, uh, I think I'm out. I'm thinking ready, like I'm ready to get to go to work or something like that. But some some nice job I just got. And he's like, hey, brother, uh, we, we, got a, we got a spot on the show if you want to work for us, man. You know, you can just, you know, clean up, clean bathrooms, something like that, work security. One of our guys left out. And I'm like, did you, you, you you said for trying true pro you said today uh i don't like this job anyways i quit i'm gonna go <laughs> come over there <laughs> i quit this job where i'm gonna paid most the most i've ever got paid in my life just to come over there to work for trying true pro as a security guy to get paid not a dime just for pro wrestling wow. at this point i had already made the dedication i'm gonna do whatever it possibly takes lose whatever relationship and i've lost a ton of them uh lose whatever job and i definitely lost a ton of them <laughs> whatever other time I could to become a professional wrestler. And this was the first big step I took in that. So when it, when it comes to like everything else I told, like, you know, after that story, cause this is, this, this is all ended up in 2017 and whatnot. That's where I made that big step to just say, you know what? Yeah. Screw this regular job. Like, bro, I got to go do this wrestling stuff. Even if I'm not even getting in the ring, I will take $0 over whatever I'm making with this. That's like, since that point, I had been dedicated to the whole professional wrestling thing. There was never a point where I ever faltered on that. And I felt like there was like a huge loss for passion. So, and, and, and that's something that, you know, hopefully I can instill in other people, but that's, that's, that's kind of my path to getting there, to get into that passion, to even get me to this point that I'm at right now. Yeah. You, you caught me off guard too, with the semi-pro thing. Like I didn't realize you, you would play light semi-pro ball and stuff like that. And you had to try out with the Titans and that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I didn't. I don't want to be, I don't want to be misspoken on that. When it came to that trial with the Titans, it was uh, some team that I was dealing with out in Christian County. And uh, we, we had, I'd played, uh, I had a couple practices with them or whatnot. They were going to go do some sort of like uh, playoff tournament or something like that. I think I was only like nine games into the season. 
And our coach was telling us, he was like, yeah, you guys, uh, I'm, I'm cool with somebody that works for the Titans and yada, yada. And they're holding a tryout. They want somebody on their practice squad. And you guys can come out to it. Whoever earns these spots, you guys can do this and that. And the coach is trying to get me on this team. And he was sweet talking to me, talking about like, hey, man, you can, I mean, I believe in what you're doing, brother. And you can, you can get up there if you want to. And so that's, that's the only idea I have in mind is get on the Titans. Like, bro, yeah. semi-pro is fun, but like. Tennessee Titans we're going for the Titans (laughs) so yeah like uh that was that was the whole idea with that like uh I hey I wasn't doing anything else in 2012 or 2011 and you know there wasn't any more wrestling for me to do so might as well do something what uh what position did you play just curious surprisingly enough um this is what I played all throughout high school we were a 5a school so I played everything uh, or at least when I say everything, I'm playing on both sides of the ball. I don't get I don't get time off. Uh, I was a lineman, and okay. uh, most of my high school career, I was probably I wasn't the heaviest or like the tallest guy or whatnot. Uh, I think I had dropped a ton of weight before my senior year, uh, just because I started working I started working out with the wrestling team where Miguel and I got closer, and I started hearing more about pro wrestling. Um, once I started doing their workouts, and you know, in my second year of doing track and field you know, I dropped like a ton of weight. I was running all the time. I would run back and forth to school. My school is like, at least they, my high school is probably about like six or seven miles away from like home. And I would run up there and run back after practices. I'd be at the, at the high school doing football practicing, uh, practices for like three a day sessions and then do wrestling training, like right after that. So I was at the school for probably like, uh, I'd be up from seven to seven at that school running back and forth to, to the defini- destination. So cardio was my best friend. Uh, I dropped all the way down to like 173. I was at 3% body fat. I was 173 pounds. I was five, nine and a half. And I was a lineman. And I, apparently I was pretty decent. Uh, <laughs> uh, I definitely had the stats to back it up. And a lot of people didn't really like, they'd see it on paper. They're like, yeah, you've got a five, nine, 173 pound right tackle or right guard. <laughs> or a center or are you kidding me right now <laughs> even at a high school level that's tiny but the thing is like no that was I was pretty legit on the field like I was somebody that a lot of a lot of defenses or even offenses well I'd say more offenses because I was more of a monster on defense uh as a defensive end they would they would uh kind of write their plays away from me so uh-huh. let's let's not run out to that guy so I'm gonna run to the other side this guy's gonna break through every single time uh so I just I just had technique what I didn't have in size I made up for in technique uh, as you see me now, that was really just, you know, a fire being lit under my ass because the one school I wanted to go to was the one school who wasn't looking at me. They gave me no opportunities to get a scholarship, even to try to like get a tryout for one, anything like that. And it's the one I ended up going to at Austin P. Uh, so I'd be, I'd be in the gym there, see some of the other actual football players, some guys that I even played with in my high school. And I'm like, why can I not play with these guys? They're not that much bigger than me. And I look at myself and I look at my stats on paper compared to these guys. And I'm like, I can outlift these guys. I'm stronger than all these guys. And I weigh half as much as they do. I'm 3% body fat walking around here. And I'm able to almost bench press a truck (laughs) in comparison to some of these guys. So I get that motivation that, no, I've got to be even stronger than what I am. I've got to be even bigger than what I've been. I got to put on this muscle. I got to put on this weight. And that's where we kind of get to where I'm at now. You go from that 173, 3% body fat. I'm, I'm sitting here now. I'm like, what? 250, 260. I was, I was going to say, I saw the pictures on your Instagram of you, like in your, your like uh, wrestling gear. And I'm like, man, he's like super lean. And now, now you're, now you're big, strong boy. 
Oh yeah, the biggest, the strongest, and uh, the boyest. I'm definitely. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's a it's a cosmetic business like uh you can be you can be the strongest guy in the world but if people can't see it it doesn't matter that makes sense um so do they they call you big strong boy at the school is that what where that came from i was i was there at the power tapings and that chance started but i've heard people talking about it now like after power this season like people people uh in our like we have a discord chat room and like on twitter and stuff i've seen people get hype about big strong boy they like that Oh yeah, no, I, I love it. I think uh, I think there's a clip probably on my Instagram somewhere. Somebody recorded at a, one of these student shows that we did. I was just I was just hitting one of the moves that I typically started like working on in, in a couple matches. It was just where I do a couple sort of charges in the corner, and then I'll pick my opponent up and take him out to the center and just give him a spine buster. Right? You know, I'm carrying the guy all the way out there. I'm manhandling him. And so I just yelled out one day, like I had the guy over my shoulder uh, and I just slammed him down pretty much like one side. And I just yelled out, big, strong boy. And everybody loved that. Like the whole place, we're heels and the place lit up. For it. They're like, ooh, snap, we like that. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not supposed to like this. I'm a bad guy. I'm like, this, this is, I'm, I'm pooping all over this guy. I'm burying him. Like, don't, don't cheer for this. But ever since then, you know, uh, a lot of the guys around the school, they'd be like, oh yeah, it's big, strong boy. They, I mean, even Crimson was in on it and, you know, he'd do his, he'd do his little smile and be like, oh, it's the, the, the big, strong boy. Wow. So um, I guess this time, once they really got me in there to, you know, do a little bit more than just, you know, go, go out there and get beat up, makes my look good. Uh, I guess some of the guys that we had in our audience, they were just like, you know what, that's the, that's the big, strong boy. Let's go ahead and put this over for him. So <laughs> I guess that's more people awesome. know about that now. Yeah, I like, um, too, that you're, you know, staying on your social media for a second. Like you're, you're one of the things is it's cool seeing like you, you had this confidence to make your stuff happen. But your your social media is like full of like gratitude and positivity. I love that about it. Like I love that it's like kind of motivational, and it's like, like I fit this blog half the time too. Like you're, <laughs> you're you know, like uh, you going through. But uh, what what has that always just been the way you've been? Like you just like uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, you, you see you come across as like a a lot of people don't have that instilled in them they have to get beaten down to learn that but is that like a kind of a positive thing <laughs> that you've had yeah uh over the years i've learned to be like a, a bit more humble sometimes too at fault you know um i try to i try to practice being a little bit more modest about what i'm doing and, and always stay humble just because i've learned in the business one of the things you don't want to do is get heat you especially don't want to get accidental heat that you didn't mean to get because you're the cockiest guy out there. Now, when you're going out there to be in front of everybody, like, of course, you know, turn it up to 11, be the cockiest, uh, sure. the cockiest man out there, you know, be the big strong boy. But when it comes to like behind the curtain, I want everybody to know that like the, the idea for me and my goal for my career is never to, it, it, it's not to go into business for myself. That's the, that's the last idea I have for it. My biggest goal is to, kind of like everybody else or most people leave it better than I found it kind of to transform pro wrestling, evolve it, but, you know, pay homage to the people that came before me, you know, definitely be humble and respectful to the people that paved the way for me to get to where I am and celebrate what I love, show the passion that I have for the business and grow the business as a whole. The thing is I try to keep my goals as selfless as possible when it comes to professional wrestling. For example, one of my biggest goals with the NWA outside of like, you know, my own selfish goals or whatever that just about me and what I'm doing with, with MIMS or whatnot and pushing that forward is to get the rest of like the students at the academy on, make more ways for people to get into these majors in professional wrestling to push it forward. Now, of course, like 
some people were against gatekeeping. I'm a little bit for it. You know, if you don't belong here, like, yeah, or at least <laughs> getting, getting you along the way. We want to push the business forward in any way possible. And there's a lot of good people out there that don't get the opportunities that they deserve to be on a higher platform. And I want to be able to be the guy to, you know, not only open the door, but, you know, stick my foot in it, leave it a little bit open for the guys who wouldn't get the opportunity to do that. Uh, especially seeing that happen with, you know, my tag partner, not to talk too negative about his experience after coming from Lance's, he, he didn't really have the networking. He didn't have a way to really make those big connections. So that's how he kind of fell through the cracks. And that happens to a lot of guys They get burnt out. They don't really have a way to, you know, progress further. And I want to do that in the small way that I can. Obviously I can't put everybody on. I, and I still got to worry about myself at the end of the day, but it's to, it, any way I possibly can, I want to improve things for other people. I want to improve them for not just myself, but people around me and the people that want to do better. I want to put you on a platform to where you can. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of where, where I come from with that. And, and with, you know, being grateful, a lot of people aren't. And, and it surprises me because I understood from, you know, uh, from years back when I decided that pro wrestling is what I wanted to do, I have a whole team around me. I have my family, I have my friends, I have, you know, any of the relationships I've definitely screwed up over the way uh, with the pursuit of pro wrestling and those people supported me fully. They did whatever they possibly could to, you know, surround me with positivity and support that career that for years of it, I was technically having no progress towards it all. Until Tried and True Pro came along, like there was no progress towards actually becoming a professional wrestler. It was just saying, hey, I'm going to save up money and this is what I'm going to do. And people believe that even when I had no, nothing to show for it, people believed in that and they believed in me. And I know that when it comes to any sort of success anywhere in any type of like scope, it takes a team. Nobody truly does it on their own. Even if at the very least, the amount of success you get is because certain people haven't knocked you back down on your ass yet. Somebody is there to help you. So there's always people to thank for that. And the people around me that do help me get to the point that I am in and, and the people that continue to help me and the people that even try to stop me and make me a better person because of the fact that they're trying to hold me back. All those people are worth thanking at the end of the day because I am not who I am. I am not who I'm going to be without all these other people around me. The people in matches I face, the people that support me, the people that hate me, whatever it may be. I don't get there just by being Matthew Mims. That alone does nothing. So, you know, being thankful is important to me. Even, even the adversaries i love that oh yeah i mean you gotta have somebody beat up right someone's gonna beat yeah. you up so uh, you you, you kind of mentioned this i wanted to ask you about it like uh, what a bummer for uh i'm not trying to make this like depressing but miguel like where where is he right now like what because you're talking about this and the poor guy like he missed his uh, apparently he was gonna be in that first tag team or something and then yeah, I mean, life happens. This is the thing with pro wrestling. Like, uh, a lot of people are interested in our lives outside of professional wrestling. And that's where, like, a lot of entertainment and pro wrestling comes from. You want to see the documentaries about what was going on through this superstar's head whenever this was happening, what's happening here and there. And in that same way, like, life gets in the way of professional wrestling, unfortunately. And so circumstances happen that I, I guess I can't really go into. It's not that oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. That's his pride. story to tell uh why he couldn't be there for the first match and you know he's still part of tried and true pro and he's doing everything he possibly can behind the scenes when it comes to the nwa but by all means um there's there's definitely work that we've done with the nwa that may or may not see the light of day that we've done with you know 
certain people higher up that I won't name names just in case that's a little bit of a secret they want to keep to themselves just in case we do ever use that further he's still known by some of the higher ups there and they're they're aware of him it's just he needs a chance to prove himself on that big stage and by all means I'm looking forward to it because yeah. you know we're we're best friends we want to be in a tag team together as as badly as possible but you know we're trying to do whatever we possibly can to get our feet in the door I wanted to, if I couldn't have it as Mims and Migs in the NWA, I can have it as at least me here with my foot in the door so he can get in, he can slide in and be his own person, even if we don't get to be a tag team together. Uh, we know each other extremely well. We've wrestled each other a ton of times, whether it be in high school wrestling or either here and, you know, for wrestling at the training academy. And I know he's legit. I know he's one of the best guys around that hasn't got an opportunity yet. And when he does, he's going to kill it. So for him, it's kind of just a wait and see. I, I have no doubts that either he will make it to the NWA or to another major promotion because he's got all the tools. And so any any negative things that anybody could ever possibly say about, about Miguel or Miggs and how his character works, by all means he compensates for that with all the positives. There's too many good things going on about the guy for him not to be showcased on a larger stage because it's what he deserves. See on social media and stuff? Uh... Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, I think his social media, I think he's uh, on Instagram at Migs All Caps. Uh, <laughs> and even for that name, I thought was just hilarious because I'm, I'm the bigger guy in the group. And so what we were going to we were going to do was some, uh, some sort of silly idea we were uh, thinking of where he was like, oh, I'm going to be Migs All Caps and he's going to be Mims Lowercase. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever people see, they think, oh, obviously I'm the smaller guy, like calling me tiny and he's the big man, <laughs> a bunch smaller than me. But, I just wanted uh, to, to to throw it in there so people can like uh, if anybody's listening or watching or whatever they can go check out Migs and show him some love and and shout him out to the NWA or somebody. But uh, you know, and maybe maybe uh, I, I didn't want to turn it into an ad for Migs. Sorry, my dog's going crazy back here. Oh, that's fun. Boost out, boost the uh, man up any day of the week. That's my yeah. boy. So what I was trying to say is I wasn't turning it into an ad for Migs, but I thought we could show him a little love there and maybe uh, maybe. Maybe he could uh, feel good that he uh, got one over on you. He got a he hijacked your interview for a second. Oh yeah, no, by all means, I gotta I gotta put my people over. And uh, if anything, we're trying to do what we can, you know, outside of NWA. It's still like you know we're still in a pandemic currently, so it's still trying to get you know bookings for us out on the indies. Really spread that name because you know um, we haven't been doing it for way too long, and still in the NWA, I'm up and coming. But you know, hey, originally we came as a tag team. Why not have us out there on the indies tearing it up? Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of tag team partners, though, real quick, too, I just wanted to ask you, um, you briefly on power tagged with Joseph Hudson uh, at one point, um, and it looked like uh, you, he's he'd done a bunch of tried and true stuff, too, or something. Uh, did you have much of a relationship with him or did you know him really well? Uh, this is the thing. Uh, so there's a lot of people that talked at length about uh, Josephus. So obviously like Crimson has a very long relationship with them. Uh, Tom obviously has a really good relationship with them. Crazy Steve, uh, Plunkett, he can probably tell you at length for days about Josephus. And then even Billy, I didn't know that uh, him and Billy were so close until I got there at NWA and I'd seen like how close they were. Uh, him him with a lot of people that are higher up in NWA. Uh, there, there wasn't anybody with a bad thing to say about Josephus. Like even, even like on the Indies, just because being in the Tennessee area, he's 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 from around here too, and so he's probably worked almost every show around here. I have worked as security or ring crew for a lot of shows he's done, especially in in, in Tried and True Pro. And this is one of the funny things. 
like a lot of the stories we have about Josephus is just him, you know, being dedicated to staying in character, which is something I ex- like, I have the utmost respect for. And something that I always admired about him is that whenever he comes out of that curtain, he is completely on 100% on. It does not matter where he's at. If there's anybody that can possibly see him and he's out in public, he is Josephus 100%. And he's dedicated to that character. And that's where I'm like, okay, well, this man, this man is a man among men, especially because of the fact that he's like, you know, obviously his character takes inspiration from Bruiser Brody. And that's kind of the same idea that Bruiser Brody had too. And so to see him really carry that on and really be true to that legacy, because some people do, you know, they, they may do a gimmick that's either, you know, ripping off something else or, well, hey, I took this from here, blah, blah. No, this is somebody who had a, had an extreme dedication to that and took it seriously and really did that justice and 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 i got to see that firsthand this is one of the first people i was exposed to after you know just 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 being a part of you know tnt before the training before anything else and getting to see kind of how he works and how he operates and so seeing someone that takes it so seriously and seeing more of that passion about the business up front was definitely something that was important to me even though this is not somebody i had a ton of conversations with and this is, this is where I come from with my own goals of being able to inspire people kind of in the same way or in the same vein, because being around somebody like that, that takes it so serious, it, it's hard not to be inspired. It's hard not to take that and, and kind of internalize it and be like, hey, I've got to be like this. This man loved professional wrestling and you could see it on his face no matter what he did, whether it was just walking in the locker room and he's outside of character or him being out there with, with the fur on and, and swinging the chains around and going crazy and everything like that. Like that's, that's, that's. That's something else where you can see that on display, but but no matter what, no matter what vein you see him in, he's extremely dedicated to sport and he loves it. Absolutely loves it. So it's somebody that I didn't need to talk to a lot, even though I've definitely had conversations here and there. And he just, he always loved to rib everybody. That was the first thing <laughs> that he loved to do. I can remember uh, we were at a pro wrestling entertainment show out in Portland, uh, Tennessee, uh, working for Jason James and I think I was still just ring crew at this time he came to the back and he he said somewhere he was just like he was cutting up and he was just you know poking and picking fun at us and the rest of the the, the trainees that were there to help out with the show and he was like yeah at least one of you guys is in halfway decent shape like everybody else is getting the business and that's the worst I got and he just winked at me and walked off and I was like oh okay I guess I'm special here <laughs> cool <laughs> I guess I'm the one he sees some sort of promising and you know that's kind of how he would usually play me everybody else it would be it would be a little bit more of a rib and it was always hilarious the guy was an absolute laugh right and so uh I can even remember because because he's my roommate so I'll, I'll talk about my cousin a little bit so my cousin definitely he's he's been around for a lot of security spots I think you might have met him whenever we were down at NWA this last time uh he was one of the guys uh hanging around in the crowd and losing his voice <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Mr. Mr. Mark Rowland, he, he decided at, uh, one, one, uh, one little event we did for try and true pro. We did it at a, we did it at a bar. We did it outside of the bar and it was a really great show. I love doing those shows out there, uh, at O'Connor's. I think, uh, Josephus was possibly walking back in through the curtain or either it was, uh, it was, it was sometime either after or before the match. And, uh, Mark did something that was a cardinal sin around Josephus. This is something you don't do. And this is something that I was told he was never told. Because I think I had just brought him in. This was probably his first or second show working for Tried and True Pro as security. The cardinal sin is don't look him in the eye. Whatever you do, don't look Josephus in the eye. But when you make eye contact with Josephus, he's got to mess with you. If it's either mess with you or he's going to knock you out, that's something, hey, just don't do it. Don't look in his direction. Look the other way. So <laughs> he's, com- he's coming back. 
<laughs> he's coming back to the curtain. <laughs> and I look at Mark, we meet eyes. We're like, okay, cool, whatever. We're just gonna stand here and do our thing. I look at Josephus, he looks at Josephus. He, Mark looks over at me. I look away from Josephus. I, I find a ceiling, I find something to look at, a grain of sand, something like that, somewhere that's not in this man's direction. Because <laughs> I know I don't want to get laid out. <laughs> and Mark looks directly at him, makes complete eye contact with him. He's like, how you doing, Josephus? Mm. Ah, my cousin is a man. He's not a smart man. <laughs> Josephus goes over to him, gets in his face. And like, Mark makes it even worse by like, he just, he can't, he can't hold a straight face. And Josephus is completely serious. Just look at him, growls at him and like, Mark is like, okay, uh, I don't know what to do at this point. I don't know what's going on. Josephus grabs him by the throat, moves him all the way up the wall and is holding his man completely off his feet. Mind you, my cousin around is around the same size I am. We're both like some 250, 260 pound guys. Picks this man up off his feet. Mark's feet are dangling because of the fact that he made the cardinal sin to not look Josephus in the eye. He just picks him all the way up and he drops him. And Josephus looks at him again. He just... <laughs> walks off he just looks at me i look away again and he walks off and uh i couldn't stop laughing mark's just sitting there like oh well, well, what did i do <laughs> you look him not you should have known that beforehand don't look the man in the eye he's a serious man he's dedicated to the character don't look him in the eye he's a beast awesome. he's a monster so uh, <laughs> that's that's probably like i I've, i had a couple of joe Seeker stories that's probably like my favorite one uh, but again, it's like knowing that <laughs> this guy was that dedicated, dedicated to the character. And also he was, he was never above like, you know, having a laugh when, when he was not in front of anybody, but, um, you know, seeing that dedication, seeing like the underlying things with Josephus that he may have not gotten to talk to me about it, like, you know, at length was very important to me and it, it resonated with me. And so, you know, sometimes I feel a little bit guilty even talking about him just because, you know, we didn't have some super duper close relationship and he at least knew who I was. He yeah. had seen my face and recognized my face. And every time we saw each other at some sort of show or something like that, he would shake my hand, say, Hey, hi, what's up to me? You know, we wouldn't get too deep into it. It was always small talk, even, even at NWA. When we found out we were going to have a match together, you know, that was the first match I had ever actually really got nervous for in the NWA. I wasn't nervous in the, the, the match I had with the Dawson's, uh, I wasn't nervous in the match that I had against, you know, the wild cards, but I was nervous in the match that I had against, you know, Eli Drake and James Storm. I don't know what it was that made me so nervous about the match, but the only person who could call me down about it, because he was also the only person I told, like, hey, I'm kind of having a little bit of a problem here, uh, was Josephus. You know, he gave me a little bit of small advice here and there and just told me, hey, you know, blah, 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 this, you know, just, you know, chill out. You'll be okay. Don't worry about anything. You know, it's, it, it's going to be easy. He was like, you just make for sure you give them respect because this match is about them and we're going to make for sure we highlight them as much as possible. And he was like, if I can, I'll take care of you. But he was like, I guarantee you, these guys are going to take care of you. You have nothing to worry about. And so that was, it was surprising how something so small and innocuous to kind of like calm me down for the situation. We got out there and we had the match that we did and I enjoyed it. Uh, I came back and I thanked Eli, I thanked James and I thanked, uh, I think Josephus and I think we talked for a little bit afterwards, you know, just chopping up about gear and certain things like that. But just like even even that same day, overhearing him have conversations, not just about the match or 
you know, other stuff going on in the NWA, but just hearing have him, hearing him have conversations about, you know, his son or his family, or even, you know, the the kind of aspirations he had for what he wanted to do with the NWA and for the even the question mark character. Uh, didn't mean to spoil that. I use the question mark. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> the there's still no uh, certain proof. We we. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> who is the question mark who knows but just like his uh his aspirations for that for a little bit i did get to hear because i definitely like to listen to the conversations that go on in that hallway because there's definitely some incredible stuff that comes out of that but hearing his are one of like the biggest the biggest ones i always wanted to hear that was that was one of the things i wanted to do was uh, pick people's brains listen in on you know how they felt about pro wrestling kind of decipher that for myself and kind of absorb that and it was inspirational you know for something you know seemingly that small to have that much of an effect on me is i mean it speaks a lot to who he is as a person and hopefully you know where he's at now um unfortunately after he passed it hopefully that gives some sort of like you know happiness or solace to him that somebody else is inspired by what he did inspired yeah. by who he was as a person and 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 how he felt about pro wrestling you know because I, I i definitely am I don't know about anybody else's stories when it comes to Josephus uh, out of the academy, but I know he's someone that really touched my life, even just a small way. It's still a big way to me. You know, that, that, that kind of story that you have is, is a, you know, I think a lot of people felt that same way. And so uh, I, I talked to doc who, who also does the show is that he had talked to Josephus a ton. And I was telling him one day when we did a show just dedicated to Josephus that, you know, it's one thing if you're a good dude and everybody's like, oh, yeah, he was a good dude. But like when people go out of their way to talk about what kind of good dude you were, you know, when they don't have to. I was like, that says something for who you really were uh, during the time. And so. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Even more because I had even less to go on than a lot of other people do. So yeah. I never got to have those long conversations about Josephus and get to know more about like who he was as as an educator, who he was when it came to his hobbies or whatnot. Uh, and a lot of more of the work behind the scenes that he did for the NWA than a lot of people know about. I didn't get to go at length for those conversations, but it's definitely something that was always on my list to have. So it's, it, like I said, it speaks even more to him to go off of such, such, such small amounts of things for myself. So uh, to, to shift to something different, I don't want to, I don't want to drag on tried and true for forever, but I, I am curious, like when you were talking about it earlier, you mentioned like working with Crazy Steve and then you moved to like Tom and like, is this like Mortal Kombat? Like you go up like different <laughs> levels of like the the tournament or, or like, I'm curious how that's set up. Can you talk about that at all? Because I know like you've got folks there like Jeremiah Plunkett, and Crimson and like all these people. Like what, like what, what's the difference there? Like when you move around? All right, we're definitely going to turn this into an ad for uh, the Tried and True Academy. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, it made Mims. So, I mean, we had <laughs> another one. You were, you were hitting it. It's nothing but the hits today for you, sir. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we, we have a training program that's, uh, I think if I remember having the conversations with Crimson, he said he was kind of inspired more by what uh, Al Snow kind of had the vision for OBW with, or kind of how OEW worked in, in the first place up in Louisville. Uh, so I was a little bit inspired by that. Uh, hopefully I'm correct about that. I know Crimson's going to like uh, go ahead and smack me in the back of the head if I got any of this wrong. Um, but I like his model for training and his vision for training a lot better than what I've seen through a lot of training schools. Not to down them, but uh, how it usually goes for training. I'm going to go ahead and break a little bit more kayfabe. Uh, typically how it goes is you go uh, find a school, a uh, reputable school if you can, 
uh, and you'll go and you'll pay them your money, however much that may be. Uh, it's, it's usually most schools are kind of expensive. You're looking at a couple grand, something like that. Uh, and they'll train you for about 12 weeks. That's usually like the norm is about 12 weeks. And after that, you get out there, do your thing. And that's usually it. You know, if a trainer likes you, you might be able to get some connections off of him. Probably gets, <clears throat> excuse me, you probably get some leads like, you know, somewhere to, 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 to find some work. But when it comes to that, just 12 weeks does not really prepare you for what the wrestling world is. That's not enough time. And, you know, hearing that from Crimson, the first time, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of skeptical. I was like, what do you mean? Literally everybody does that. Why is that? How is that not right? If that's what everybody does, that should be the right thing to do. Uh, but actually experiencing it for myself, and, and this is how like I've learned to trust Crimson, because a lot of stuff that he's told me over the years, even if I doubted at first, he's usually always right. Usually. Not infallible, but he's usually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so uh, he told me that, that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be ready after 12 weeks. I got my basics in. I can take every move. I can throw whatever move. Like if you have some different variation of something, I probably know how to do it without hurting myself. And I know how to do it without hurting you. But the problem is, there's a lot more mechanics that go into professional wrestling that are outside of those 12 weeks. So 12 weeks, you learn how to bump, you learn how to put on a hold or like very, very basic things. You learn a universal, maybe a Tennessee spot. Uh, you might be able to run one complete match if you're lucky and you, you, you won't drown in there. But there's so much more to pro wrestling, just those basics. And then just knowing how to do the moves. And, you know, I, I guess we can go into the whole like, modern wrestling traditional wrestling debate everybody has or whatnot and i definitely have my side on it and, and things that i like and things that i don't like but you know wrestling is always about those characters those storylines how you portray yourself how you carry yourself presentation delivery cutting promos all, all, all and, and, and how you get those promos with that presentation delivery how you hold yourself um how you how you explain that character to the audience how you how you take professional wrestling in, in, in what that is, it, it, it's being, it, it's a fight. That's how it should be. I want everybody to believe what I'm doing, but to take that interpretive dance, if you want to call it that, and turn that into a story. It's, it's very easy to tell a story. I can tell you exactly what story we're trying to put on with what we're doing in the ring, what we're trying to accomplish, the moves that we put together. And I can sit in the ring while we're wrestling and talk most of the way through it to get you to understand what I'm doing. But with really good training, being actually prepared, you could probably go in there completely silent or as some people will tell you whenever you're watching film, watch it on, watch it on mute. And see if you can tell the story. See if you can read what they're doing in there and how they act on mute. That's more important. I should be able with a really good amount of training and especially with the training that I have from trying to grow, I can go in there and tell a story with the moves and how I act and how I'm doing those things. When, when you come out of it with just basic training, even the great basic training we have from Coach Plunkett, you don't know how to do that. You're not going to know how to do that. Calling a match, no way you're going to know how to do that, especially jumping in that ring and going without calling it and doing it all in the ring. You are, there is no way, absolutely no way. There is no way you're going to be able to do half the things that people actually do in professional wrestling and be anything better than the absolute drizzles outside of, like with just 12 weeks of training. I thought at that point I was ready after 12 weeks of training, 
I got out there. My very first match was with Plunkett. That was completely true. That was not a that was not a kayfabe thing. Whenever we were putting that over with NWA, that was completely true. In, in 2018, he broke me into the business. And in that match, I was extremely nervous. I had no idea how to go in there. He 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 wanted to call all the match in the ring. And I was so scared, I almost peed myself whenever he said that. We were getting closer and closer to the time we were supposed to be having this match. And I was like, so uh, coach, do you want to, do you want to call something? <laughs> and he was just like, no, kid, you'll be fine. You know what you're doing. And I was like, I, I don't. What? No, I don't. <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I thought I did. I thought I had a grip on everything. And that was probably the moment then when I was like, yeah, Crimson's completely right about what he's talking about. I have no idea what's going on here. And I only have 12 weeks of training and I had ran a couple matches in training, but I had never had a real match. And when you get out there in front of that audience with only 12 weeks of training, you find out just how naked you are, just how unarmed you are in this conflict. And luckily Plunkett is one of the best wrestlers in the world. So he took care of me and he was my coach. So he knew how to work around my faults, but man, there was so many mistakes I made. I make plenty of mistakes now, but there was even more mistakes with that. So with the training model that Crimson has, it's going from that basic 12-week course. You have an intermediate training schedule. You have an advanced training course. You have all these different levels of training. So for me, I came in when the school first started in 2018. And I started off with a beginner's course with Coach Plunkett. Fantastic, great course. Definitely got me to know enough to get out there and not hurt anybody or hurt myself. And then we go into it with Steve. So Crazy Steve uh, was at the school for a very short time, but definitely had a huge impact on the students that got to be with him. Uh, that's actually around the time that Miguel showed up at the school. So uh, Miguel did not get his basic training with us. He got it with Lance. Uh, so he kind of passed over Plunkett's course, and Plunkett has had a huge hand in what he's been doing in all professional wrestling uh, when it comes to Miguel. But we got trained under Steve, and Steve is somebody I can credit more with getting me ready to perform on shows to get me used to the experience of being in those matches because he made for sure I was match ready before anything else. When it came to putting on those touches to make it to where I could be ready for something bigger, Steve had a huge part in playing that. Without his influence in those 12 extra weeks that I got through intermediate training, I don't think I'd probably be in pro wrestling without more broken bones than I already have. And <laughs> I'd probably catch a lot more heat than I already have in my career so far. But then Bram comes into the advanced course and I've went through, I think probably before I had my first television match with NWA, probably about two, three cycles of advanced course. So I definitely had a lot of time for Tom to put on those finishing touches. Mind you, like I said, I had only had less than 20 matches by the first match I had with NWA. So seeing what I was doing there, that I was able to get into the NWA, yes, it was heavily on my connections, but also on that talent and also on that training played a heavy part or whatnot. And being able to do that whenever there's tons of people out there on the indies who have had hundreds of matches, thousands of matches, and they're not ready for that opportunity yet. They're not at the same point that I'm at, you know, either for lack of connections or lack of good training. And so, you know, having this kind of specialized training and being in training essentially for what i technically if you really want to be you know super duper like minute about it i've been in training for two years most people don't say that or they're definitely not proud enough to say that i'm proud to say that because look what two years of training can do for me you've seen what i've done on the nwa in this season so far just every other season they've been a part of i've been a part of the nwa in almost everything 
and to see what I'm able to do in less than three years. It's not July, 2021 yet. It's less than three years. And this is, this is all here because of that training. That's how good the school is. That's how good of trainers that I had. And that's why a training like model like this works. So that's, that's kind of how, how I guess the Mortal Kombat tournament of this kind of works out with that is that like this training is, is, is it's legit and this kind of training model works out better than any other one that I've seen because I couldn't imagine somebody else coming out of 12 weeks of training and within two or three years making it onto a major promotion, making it onto a, a, a bigger stage of an indie. I couldn't imagine that either. So Hey man. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's only more time to come and you, you like, I, I will say this too, like you getting into the NWA. One thing I think is really cool for you is that you uh, in two years now you've, so you stepped in there with Royce and Tom, you've been in there with Eli Drake and James storm, um, which is like already some cool names to have been in there with. And then Tyrus, like you had a, a well, real quick side note, how, how did it feel? Was Tyrus uh, tougher to move around than most people? <laughs> uh, Tyrus is legitimately the biggest man <laughs> in the NWA. I mean, I may be the big, strong boy. By all means, I mean that. Well, that's what I was curious about. I know you're a big, strong boy, but Tyrus is, is a big, big boy. He's a monster of a man. He's a, what, what did Austin Idol say? He's a manster. He's, a, <laughs> he's not a man. He's not a monster. He's a manster. It's <laughs> probably my favorite NWA line of all time. Um, Tyrus, that was definitely a, a nerve wracking experience, uh, to get in there with Tyrus. I did not expect my first match back to be with Tyrus. I did not expect that at all. I'm happy that it was because I was definitely a mountain that I was willing to climb. And I, I'm someone that works well under pressure. Like, think about it. This is somebody who's had hundreds of thousands of matches. He's been, he's been to WWE. He's dominated there. He's done his thing there. And he's in the NWA right now. And this guy has a wealth of knowledge. This guy is a star in plenty of different avenues and I'm getting to have a match against him and test my mettle. And, you know, that's, that's definitely nerve wracking. And there's plenty of other people in there with a resume similar to his, or, you know, just a stronger, any sort of way they have, they have a pretty impressive resume, but you know, I'm still the guy in there with the smallest one and the, in the weakest resume. And I'm going against all these absolute superstars. These people were legends, especially compared to me. So it was, uh, it was definitely a great experience going up against Tyrus. Definitely well, enough pressure to make a diamond. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I mean, you didn't come out on top in that one, but it looks like it did make a diamond because Mims, like, I mean, let's, let's take a second to think about that in the past couple of matches you've had, uh you and slice boogie beat the war kings take it out take it out coach crimson and then and then on power surge you end up taking out jeremiah plunkett like uh what what's it now you, you got two wins back to back how, oh yeah how, how's that make you feel like you're you're going over here in, in matches with your not to use insider terminology i'm not an insider but i mean you're in there winning matches against Crimson and Jeremiah Plunkett. Like, these are people that taught you. Yeah, and I, I like, hey, I will refer to my social media posts. I was definitely, like, extremely grateful for it. And I was I was surprised to even be put in the situation. But these are guys I look up to, and now I can say that I have a win over them, and that's still important to me. Uh, wins, like some people like to say, even in the business or outside of the business, wins and losses don't matter, wins and losses don't matter. I'm here to call BS on that. You know, obviously like I'm, I'm super duper green or whatnot. And Hey, nobody take my advice, whatever. 
but I think they matter. And this, these are two wins that matter to me. These, these, these are two of the biggest wins of my career. They may be my first wins in the NWA, which is one reason you could say the biggest wins of my career. These are also against people that I look up to and people that I trust, and people that I trusted, you know, from, from day one. You know, these are people that brought me into this and now I can say, hey, I've reached a point where I can be on their level. I can be in their peer group. I'm no longer just a student. I'm no longer just a trainee. I am a professional wrestler. If, if any time before now, I didn't consider my, myself a professional wrestler, beating the War Kings, beating Jeremiah Plunkett, that's what really made me feel like a professional wrestler because these are guys who are professional wrestlers. I mean, the War Kings, they're absolute monsters. Crimson's a one-man army. Jax is, I mean, we call him Godzilla for a reason. The man's also a monster. And then Jeremiah Plunkett, that's, that's wrestling's last journey. And the guy's been everywhere and wrestled everybody. There's, there's, there's probably not too many people that this guy has at least laid a couple punches into the jaw. So, you know, these, these, these were big to me and it feels incredible. Like it's, it's something that didn't really sink in, you know, when it happened, but watching it back now, watching those matches, that's, that's when it really sinks in seeing the fan reaction, understanding that other people are seeing this and it's not just a dream anymore. That that's the stuff that sent me over the moon. And it, it still will. And I, I honestly can't wait to see the rest of the season of power. I can't wait to see what happens possibly at this pay-per-view. I can't wait to see what happens in the next coming seasons of power. If they'll have me like th the feeling of winning is fantastic, especially on a big stage. And I just, you know, I'm, it, it's, it's a spicy meatball. It's really <laughs> a, an addicting thing. I want more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hey man, I could talk to you forever. I'm going to ask you a couple of like, just, quicker questions before as we wind out here because I'm, I'm having a good time talking to you we'll have to have you back on too i don't i just don't want to take up all your time here um like who would you say like influences you as a wrestler like uh, i mean just uh since it since you're a newbie we get to ask all the 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 standard podcast questions that uh yeah. you know but uh i'm just curious like i know you mentioned bret hart earlier which is uh you know you know a man after my own heart i've got a a weird uh life-size stand-up of bret hart <laughs> over here to my left but no, that's uh, weird that's understandable he's a hitman uh, i understand <laughs> um yeah honestly i i guess to kind of wind down that question of you know who inspires me i'd probably say whose matches i watched to to really study um I would say the people that are constants, because there's definitely a lot of people that I watch, uh, but the main people that I've watched to kind of get a better sense of what kind of wrestler I want to be or what kind of style I want to make for myself and that I could call an amalgamation of their styles. Uh, Triple H is one of them because he's always been my favorite wrestler. Then I would probably say Booker T was a really big influence. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely did watch a bit of Bobby Lashley stuff when I first started out and I still do now just because, again, I wanted to kind of learn how to be a real powerhouse. So obviously, like, you know, Booker T and Triple H, they're big guys. They're huge guys. Don't let anybody fool you that they're, that they're not big guys. But when they wrestle, they're not wrestling as powerhouses. And that's something that I want to do. And I want to be the, the powerhouse, no matter what size I may be in comparison to somebody else. I'm always going to be the powerhouse. That's my style. So that's where I watched Bobby for that. I watched a lot of Edge. Um, I've definitely watched a bit of old school wrestling. Um, I wouldn't say I'm super duper heavily influenced influenced by it because I'm not gonna lie, I am a huge, huge fan of ruthless aggression era professional wrestling. Like that is that is my absolute kryptonite in wrestling. Like if anybody, 
<laughs> everybody has their own like era for wrestling they love the most and they go back to over and over again ruthless aggression era i don't know if it's just because the childhood or just because the, the wrestling the wrestling action in the ring or whatnot mm-hmm. is something i want to emulate in my career because i think that's timeless wrestling yeah so those are kind of those are like i guess in short form that's my inspiration those are my inspirational wrestlers that i usually pull from the most do you have like certain matches you like more than others or ones you could think of right off the top of your head that you go back to I'm, I'm trying to think of a couple off the top of the head. Uh, Cause usually whenever people talk about matches and they talk about like their biggest, most influential ones, they talk about like, you know, WrestleMania matches or ones that are really easy to find. Um, there's, there's a couple I can think of. Um, but when it comes to the wrestling inside the ring, that wasn't always the biggest part of it that made it inspirational. Uh, I would say like the elimination chamber match, I think it was, I think it was either 2002 or 03, the, the SummerSlam one that uh, Triple H was champion and he kind of got his larynx crushed by uh, by Rob Van Dam. Oh, yeah. So the reason why that inspired me so much is because it, it showed me, and this is this is also what made like Triple H my absolute favorite where that never changed, is is watching him go through something that's that's definitely not an easy injury to get through, especially, you know, in that match. And obviously he's going to react to it, but seeing how he still persevered and pulled through that to finish out that match, because by all means, he could have just been like, hey, somebody pin me, get me out of here right now. I, I can barely I can barely breathe. This man keeps going in a lot of different matches where he's possibly gone down with an injury or the worst things possibly happen. He still turned things around to make sure the match gets done that that toughness is inspirational you want to be like that you want to know that whenever something goes left you can make it correct back to right uh that in i'd probably say i'm trying to i'm trying to think of the specific booker t match there was a there was one it wasn't with lashley i think it was it might have been a match he had with with eddie and i can't remember i can't remember exactly when it was uh, cause I always get it mixed up with one of my other favorites. Um, it was one of my other favorites. I think it was Eddie versus Kurt cause there was too many good Eddie versus Kurt matches. And if this, I think it was either backlash Oh two or Oh three. I'm really trying to think I may be mixing it up with like the Eddie edge matches because I've seen way too many Eddie matches and they're all really good. And these are all some of my favorite wrestlers, but, um, I definitely, I could probably say probably like one of the most inspired ones I have. I can't really remember the date of it, but it would be an Eddie Kurt match. It was, uh, it was during the time they were doing the whole, you know, Los Guerreros versus, uh, versus, versus team angle stuff and just loved everything about it. That entire feud had nothing but five star, six star matches. Right. Classic matches. So I'm, I'm not that big of a wrestling nerd to be able to pull out dates and times for everything. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine, man. I mean, there's no wrong answer for that. I'm just curious, like what, what, what gets on your mind as a, as a person who's actually training? No, it's inspiring, like just seeing you push through and do what you're doing. Um, and so, you know, it just, I'm just picking your brain. Um, what frustrates you right now about wrestling? Is there something you seem like a real positive, like high energy guy? Like what, what's the frust? We'll ask the opposite of that after, but I'm just curious, like for for you as a as a guy try to break into the business here and do this thing and you're seeing some success now and everything, but what's, what's still like a frustrating aspect of it? Um, I'm, I'm definitely trying not to like put my foot in my mouth or bury myself or give myself. Yeah, old. maybe. I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. Oh, well, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, I guess 
probably something that I was taught a long time ago uh, when it came to professional wrestling relatively long time ago. Um, I was always taught to, with whatever you're doing, make it as realistic as possible. Make it look like a fight. I would say there's nobody specifically to name off or any matches I can be like, oh, this is, just, this is garbage. This is it right here. Uh, probably the only thing that that frustrates me and sometimes takes me out of matches because I like being lost in the match. That's the kind of thing that I love about pro wrestling. And I think a lot of people love about pro wrestling is being lost in it. You want to escape into that. I want every match to look like a fight. I don't care how clean it looks. I don't care how sloppy it looks. It needs to look like these people have legitimate heat with each other. They really want to beat the crap out of each other. That's what I want to see. So anytime I get into a match and I don't see that, and it's not like, because you can have matches that don't do that. You can have matches that, you know, they're a little bit sillier or whatnot. I love comedy wrestling. It's fantastic to me. And it's, it's one thing that I think is uh, near and dear to my heart because I love comedy. Uh, I'm a stand-up fanatic. So if it's outside of that realm of like a knockdown drag out fight between two people or four people or however many people you have in your match and it's not extremely entertaining, that's when it kind of bothers me. And I'm like, I'm completely taken out of this match. I don't believe what you're doing here. I want to believe this. I want to fall into it. So that's probably the only thing that I ever see is like frustrating, but you know, it's, it's different flavors of ice cream for everybody. As, yeah. as Coach Tom used to say all the time, it's different flavors of ice cream, brother. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's frustrating, but What's exciting for you about the business right now? Like, uh, I mean, just even for just you, like uh, where you're at. Uh, what's exciting is kind of seeing how people are transforming that, kind of seeing how people are, you know, kind of taking stuff that was, that I can notice in, 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 in looking back to, to older forms of wrestling and seeing those throwbacks being brought back to the forefront and something new repackaged for something better than it was to improve on that same formula i'm a sucker for callbacks especially if they're good callbacks like if i can see something in a match and i can say oh i remember that was a dynamite kid thing like he did that all the time and this is really good this is a good twist on that i like myself when whenever i go out there and wrestle like i'll try to call spots where i'm like okay well, i want to play off of this i want to do this but do the opposite of what people expect like um, a lot of people, if we're going super duper insider here, they know the universal spot. You know, I like to play off of what people know as the universal spot and do something they don't expect. Take that and go off somewhere else with it. I am a huge fiend for storytelling. Before I got into pro wrestling, I did a lot more looking back at stories that I love, shows that I love watching and getting deeper into those characters and understanding why they work the way they do, why I reacted to them the way that I do and why they're written well. I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. I've watched a ton of videos dissecting those characters and why they work so well. Seeing those same similarities between a character like Goku and Superman, what, what motivates them, how they can be written wrong or written well and, and why they work. And you know, kind of seeing that same thing in pro wrestling and seeing that deep storytelling and understanding like, hey, this person took a lot of time to really dive deep into their character and tell this story to me. Over these storylines or even just a single match, like that stuff excites me. That that stuff drives me crazy. I love it. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And and so like what for for you then, like what's been your favorite match so far that you've had uh, like mm -hmm. in, in ring? Uh, it's, it's hard to find a favorite match because I am my own biggest critic. Like I super, I sound super duper positive here, but oh my goodness, if you could hear me talk about any match I've ever had, uh, you know, just to be <laughs> like, uh, 
just 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 to be watching it, I'll sit back and see everything that I did wrong, and I'm like, oh, I hate this, I hate that, I love this, I love that. Um, I think, I think that's a sign of getting better, though. Like, I mean, I think you're. It's good yeah, to have like a a healthy self criticism, I guess. Yeah, you never want to be the guy that's like, oh yeah, every match I had is super great, and anybody who says otherwise is the smoking. <laughs> so I think probably one of my favorite matches to like actually sit back and watch uh, of my own. Uh, it was probably the actual match where I got told, like I, I did the whole, oh, not I got told, uh, that I did the whole big strong boy thing. I think that match it was just at a little student showcase, but I think that match was probably the first one where I was like, okay, this is me showing off that I finally kind of like get it. Like things are starting to really click here. I think that's the match that really like showed that off. And that's one of the matches that I was the most proud of being a part of uh, with those trainees and, and, you know, with, with Miguel. Um, And even watching it, I was still criticizing myself like crazy, but I was like, no, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it Uh, watching it. I also thoroughly enjoyed being in it because a lot of times it's hard to get away from the nervousness you may have, especially being somebody who has not as much experience as a lot of other people. So it's hard to get over those jitters and just really enjoy yourself being in the match. And that's one match I really enjoyed myself in. Probably the next match I'd say I'd probably like uh, that I that I really enjoyed. I haven't even got to see it yet. It should be the next match that I have with the NWA. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything with it. I may spoil uh, it. I know what you're talking about, though. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got I got feedback from it afterwards. And like a lot of people were like, yeah, bro, this, this is the best match you had all weekend. This is, this is fantastic right here. So I'm ready to go see it myself, but I'm ready to kind of like, you know, get all giddy and be like, oh, this is the greatest piece of work I've ever done. That's awesome, man. That that's that's really cool. I'm I'm excited for people to see that as well. So we won't spoil it here. But uh yeah. I guess uh though this would be a good time to ask you, uh, who are you looking forward to wrestling? Like who who like and, and it doesn't have, even have to be in the NWA if you don't want to, just like who who would be like dream opponents for for Mibs? I'm just curious. Dream opponents, dream opponents. See, see, I've never really thought too much into that, but I guess if anything, I could probably take it to where like, I've only met the guy once and it was uh, surprisingly, hopefully this never gets him in trouble, but it was actually walking the halls of the NWA. And it's somebody that like, you know, I listen to his podcast that he does and like, he's just somebody that like, he has infectious energy. So seeing that kind of like that, that energy on TV or hearing in their podcast or anything like that kind of is infectious and seeing the guy on social media, like he just seems like a genuinely really good guy. And then also with his wrestling, like I followed him a little bit from like TNA. He was one of the first couple guys I saw there. And then also now he's currently in WWE and he's part of one of, in my opinion, the best tag teams they've ever had. And that'd probably be Xavier Woods. Like Xavier Woods is probably like top on that list. Uh, Biggie is definitely there too. Uh, other than that, it would be like, if we, if we could have another Booker T come make the runs again, that'd be great. Obviously. Cause he's my favorite triple H. Uh, but you know, we had to go for the absolute number one favorite just because of all those reasons going into it. And I really can't separate those, uh, the other ones from just him being a great in-ring competitor and being a fantastic performer and be Xavier Woods. That's awesome. I like that answer. Yeah, he does seem like a legitimately great dude. So uh, I could I could see you guys becoming besties. So that <laughs> we'll throw it up there. See, see. 
All right. Um, I'm going to let you go. Who hits the hardest? I'm curious. Uh, you've had some big, you've been in the, you've been in the ring with some hosses. So I do have to ask that. I, I don't want to leave that one out. You, cause you, you've got everybody in there. Jack Stane, you were in the ring with him. You were in the ring with yeah. Crimson, Tom Latimer. You've been in the ring with Tyrus over there. Like just even in the NWA, but like who, who, who hurt the most? Can you throw I'm it trying in to there? think of somebody who, who hit me the hardest. I, okay. <laughs> Here's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the interview around. Who do you think it is before I even say it? <laughs> Man, I don't know. Um, I, I, I gotta, it's a toss up for me between, I feel like, here's the thing. I feel like it could be Jax or Tom, but then the person that uh, really like sounds like it, like when you hear him talk or people talk about him, like Jeremiah Pluckett seems like he, he like lays some in. So I don't know. I'm curious surprisingly enough i'll go by the the scars that are still left on me <laughs> uh, i'll go by that by being the hardest and i guess thinking of like yeah yeah i'll probably go with that it surprisingly enough it would be uh crimothy james uh mr mr crimson mr crimson himself <laughs> like uh it's a match that probably nobody will ever see but uh probably like the hardest one he absolutely like hey man jacks they wore me out but i can remember more from this like definitely don't tell Jax because he's probably gonna be like, "Oh, let me go one up this guy. We're gonna make him into a contest. We're gonna beat this man." The <laughs> we'll, worst. we'll hope. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to DM this whole interview to Jax Dave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, no, no, it was definitely in that match. I definitely got, I got folded up like like a piece of paper. Definitely at the end of that, uh, I can spoil this match because this is a couple of years back. But uh, Jax definitely folded me all the way up. Uh, but Crimson probably laid in some of the like absolute worst chops I've ever had. I recently like shaved off my chest hair and apparently I still am covered in chest scars from it. They're, they're a little bit hard to see now, but like, I, I didn't know I've had them for years. Uh, Crimson, Crimson, like I said, he's a one man army. Uh, don't, don't let that man mess you up. Don't make that man angry. <laughs> Neither Jack, uh, they're both scary humans. Uh, I mean, I'm a big, strong boy, but those, those are scary humans. They, they look scary. So I don't blame you, but they're very, very large, scary men. So yes. I mean, I'm a large, scary man myself, so that that makes it mean even more because I'm also a large, scary man. Yeah, no, that's it, man. Uh, and uh, I'm just happy to see you, man. I'm happy to see you have some success right now. And uh, you looked you looked comfortable there. You looked like you fit right in at the NWA this last time around. So hey, uh, it's where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, Mims, thank you so much for taking the time, brother. Really appreciate it. It's uh, cool you sat here this long listening to me ask you too many questions, probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. You had to listen to me talk at length. But then again, it's it's my first interview ever doing this. Nobody knows anything about me for the most part. So, like, I felt like I had a responsibility to kind of just tell stories forever so people can start being like, oh, well, this is my history on Mims, and I know he did this, this, and this. We're all taking it from this specific interview. There you they go. ever look back on it? They will. They will, man. As you uh, yeah. as you climb the uh, Mortal Kombat tournament rankings, like you know, they'll yeah. uh, I'm sure they'll come back. So, uh, did you do you have stuff at collar and elbow? Did I see that or something or anything you need oh, to that I'm, put uh, over well, here? Just like a tank top that I'm wearing. That's about it. But uh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, well, I, I wish I had something to sell. I mean, merch coming soon eventually. Some big strong boy <laughs> merch. There you go. All right. Thanks so much, Mims. Yeah, man. Have a good one.